Hey there, hopping in with a couple of things really quick before we dive into today's episode, because I like you to be a part of all the things, because I like to be doing cool things and be a part of cool things and helpful things. So first off, I am holding a workshop on October 22nd. It is a live in-person workshop if you are in the Asheville area, and it will be happening on October 22nd from 3 to 5 p.m. I'm doing it with my good friend and colleague, Jen Ailey. And we're going to be talking about money, self-love, and hormones. So that may sound weird to you. You may have never thought about the connection between those, but they are actually very intimately connected. So if you don't know about the connection, but you struggle with your hormones and maybe you know having enough money in your life, or maybe you are struggling to really build up your self-worth and self-esteem, and you got some hormone issues to boot... We're going to talk about how all three of these are interconnected and not just how they're interconnected, but also how to shift your relationship with them and how shifting your relationship with one is going to impact the others and really lead you on the path of building, you know, safety and security and feeling good in your life, in your skin, all of those things, right? And really, when you start to shift one of those areas, the other ones are going to benefit too. So anyways, we're going to deep dive with some good experiential exercises there. We're going to do it in this container of, you know, just 12 people. It's going to be small and intimate and cozy. Um, And I just, I love the ability to get so much out of being in a small group and the breakthroughs that you can have in a group setting that you miss when you do this work on your own and in person. So if you haven't gotten your ticket yet, honestly, I'm not sure how many tickets are left at this point, but if you're local and you haven't gotten your ticket yet, come join us. Go to my website, it's christinegarvin.com. You'll see it on that front page there and you can click through to the Eventbrite website where the tickets are available. It's only $39. It's gonna be pretty incredible. Um, we wanted to keep the price low so that it was accessible for people. You get some tea, you'll get some gluten-free cookies too. It's going to be a really, really amazing Saturday. So come join us. The other thing is I have my monthly free webinar and take advantage of these this year, honestly, because I don't know that I will be doing them again next year. Um, things are shifting dramatically in my business. Um, I'm going to be focusing a lot more on um, these group programs and then really, really uh, specific in my one-on-one. So I will share information about that soon, but know that it's going to be incredible, but I am going to be letting go of some of the things that I've been doing this year. So if you want to enjoy one of these free um, webinars before the year's out, come join us at the October 19th Energy Healing to Combat Stress Workshop. So this is great, especially if you're not in the Asheville area. I'm going to be using and utilizing some of the things from that October 22nd workshop um, in this class. And it's going to be really focused on tools that you can use in your everyday to get out of that stress reaction, which is definitely messing with your hormones. I hate to tell you, it's the biggest thing. And so really starting to shift your relationship with stress is going to make your hormones work better. And I'll explain all that and more in that workshop, October 19th, go to my website. You can go to the very top, christinegarvin.com. You'll see, sign up for the October 19th class, Energy Healing to Combat Stress. Grab your spot. Lastly, 
this, you've heard me talk about it before, and I have to say it again, this podcast only grows if I am able to just get more and more reviews. Um, it is such a crazy thing, right? That podcast growth really comes down to reviews, but that's really what it is. Definitely, you know, I appreciate so much how um, many of you have shared the podcast with friends. Um, that means a whole lot too, but literally on iTunes and Spotify, the way to get the podcast in front of more eyes is through reviews. So I am asking that you, if you're listening to this on iTunes, leave us a review. Um, five stars is fantastic. If you feel up to it, if you can write something, that's great too. Even if you can just leave the stars, that's fine. On Spotify, I believe you can't write a review. You can only leave um, a star review. So takes you a second and it really is, you know, this is a labor of love. And so um, really just wanting to get it out to as many people as possible. So if you can go do that right now before you forget, hopefully you are, well, obviously not if you're driving, but when you stop driving or if you're taking a walk, maybe you can take a moment and just hit that little review button. I really appreciate it. So, okay, that's enough for my um, updates and things for now. And some other stuff coming up soon. I'll let you know about, I will have the number for you to leave some messages here really soon. I promised that a couple weeks ago, it's going to happen soon. Okay. So today's episode is so good talking about mineral balance and how that's sort of the um, hidden issue for many people with hormone issues. So be ready to have your mind blown uh, with this interview with Casey Goins. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Speaking. Glad you're here with us as always. I have another wonderful guest this week, and we're going to talk all about hormones. We're going to talk about all the fun things that go into helping your hormones and figuring out what is going wrong when you're not feeling so good. And her name is Casey Goins, and she's a functional diagnostic nutritionist, expert in women's health and former physician assistant. Over the last three years, she has helped hundreds of women overcome hormonal imbalances naturally with a root cause approach through group programs and one-on-one -on -one work. You can start your own healing journey by downloading her free detox guide on her website at caseygoins.com. Welcome, Casey. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So glad that you are here. So I definitely want to dive into your story, but let's start off with, I think this is a big question for so many women when they have what they think is hormonal imbalance, right? Because a lot of times we put everything on hormones when it's not always that simple, right? But when they think there's hormonal imbalance going on, where do you feel like is the best place for them to start? Yeah. So I love this question because there's, there's a couple different facets, facets of this. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I think is like, anytime anything is going wrong with our body symptom wise, anytime we deviate from normal, 
first and foremost, like that's our cue that we need to dive deeper. And that's Mm -hmm. our cue that something is wrong in the body. And it's up to us to actually look and start to explore, Mm -hmm. you know, because we've been told like our entire lives that what we consider to be common is normal. And it's just not the case. Right. So, so anytime there's a hormonal imbalance, like we always want to dig deeper. We always want to ask why and what's driving it. Um, and the second piece of this too, is like, I, I always have, I, I have all of my clients start with minerals, like mm-hmm. always, mm-hmm. um, they are, you know, your, your top four, your calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium, like those are the spark plugs to your hormones. If your mm-hmm. minerals are off, your hormones are going to be off too. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of work on balancing minerals. We do a lot of work, um, with nutrient density, and that's really what fuels our hormones into a better state. Nice. So with the minerals, do you do, do you have a particular test that you like doing above others? Cause I know there's different options out there. Yeah. So in my, in my practice right now, so in my one-on-one practice, and then inside of one of our group programs, we use a hair tissue mineral analysis mm-hmm. test, um, through trace elements. I love that test. It just mm-hmm. gives us like such valuable info. Um, again, like how our hormones are functioning is determined by how our minerals are functioning. So mm-hmm. I love using the HDMA test for that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And it's a, it's a pretty fo- affordable test, right. When it super. comes to testing, right. Yeah, like, super. <laughs> before you go in for like, the big expensive guns that are going to actually, you know, tell you your hormonal makeup. It's like, but yeah, let's get underneath it and see what's going on. And can you explain to women too, because, you know, as you just mentioned, minerals are the spark plugs of our hormones, but also, you know, our cells, our cellular structure and mitochondria and our adrenals, which are such a big part of hormone balance and imbalance. Can you kind of talk about that connection, particularly with the adrenals? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a huge connection between all of it. Like everything affects everything in the body. And so if you think of it kind of like a, like a pyramid, your hormones are, are the very tip of the pyramid. They're always like the last thing to fall. Mm-hmm. So if our hormones are dysfunctional, we've got like layers of work deeper to do beyond that. And so you know, kind of going back to, uh, you know, to the adrenal specifically, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about the role that cortisol and that stress plays in the body. If our if, if we're under a tremendous amount of stress or we're type A's and we're perfectionists, so we don't know how to cope with things and our adrenals are like constantly pumping out the cortisol, it's going to dysregulate our blood sugar. It's going to increase our estrogen. It's going to drop our progesterone. And so mm-hmm. now all of a sudden we've got hormonal chaos. That's not the hormones that are the problem. It's mm-hmm. the stress. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And so resolving that, and then also, you know, resolving the underlying, you know, metabolic stressors, looking at our cellular health is, is the first place to start. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think so many, I mean, not just women, but people in general have mineral imbalances going on? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, it's such a loaded question. Yeah. Sorry. That's but not an easy one. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, just like, look at the way that we live, you know, like the vast majority of us were working, um, we're working eight to five office jobs. We don't see the light of day. We don't get out in nature. We're mm-hmm. sleeping terrible. We're running on caffeine. Um, we're eating processed foods. We're skipping meals. We're not eating enough protein. I mean, like that all right there is going to just <laughs> all done and done. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like we're just depleting the body 
further and further and further. Yeah. You know, the more stress that we're under, the more that we're depleting our body of these precious minerals that really make up the way that we run. The other thing that I would add to that too, is like our environment, mm-hmm. you know, the way that we like practice agriculture, mm-hmm. the way that we farm, like our soil is just depleted of minerals. And so yeah. a lot of these things can be really difficult to get in if we're not focused on it. Yeah. And, you know, I like to remind people because I feel like for so long, people understood that you have to eat food to survive, right? And to get calories. But our the allopathic medical system has never made that connection that the literal nutrients, the vitamins and the minerals and, you know, all the trace elements in these foods actually make up our entire body. <laughs> they make yeah. up our cells, they make up our tissues, they make up our bones, they make up our hormones or neurotransmitters. Right. And so yes. sometimes I think that in and of itself is mind blowing for people to really start to equate like it, that food, food is there for us to break it down and get all of these nutrients in order to not only survive, but thrive. So if you're not getting it, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. It's, it's always the, it's always the place that we start is with yeah. nutrition and yeah. it, it like, it still blows my mind that the medical community has not kind of almost like caught up to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even want to say caught up because like, that's, that's the way it's always been, right? you know, but then, you know, then we bring in modern medicine and a lot of like, you know, diagnosing based on symptoms and prescribing a band-aid treatment for it. And it's like, well, you know, are you even like, is anybody even asking how you're eating and how you're sleeping and yeah. how your stress is and like all that stuff? Yeah. So you were a PA previously, right? So you yeah. know that system very well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> very well. Yeah. And so it was funny because I actually was just talking to another um, doctor who moved into functional medicine and she really explained so well about how, you know, it's like, yeah, you have to code things, right? Like yes. if, if it hasn't, if it hasn't been sort of researched and, you know, falling into this diagnosis and coded so the insurance can do this and this, and that, it's this whole process, then it's like, it doesn't exist. Like, for example, adrenal dysregulation, a lot of doctors, traditional doctors don't necessarily believe in it, right? They only believe yep. once your adrenals have gone kaput or, you know, you have yep. Graves disease or something like that. Right. So when you were working in that, I mean, were you just finding yourself frustrated or at that point were you like, I just don't know anything different or how was that? It's, it, it's really interesting uh, because my, as I always like to tell people, I've been on both sides of the table. So like, you know, on the one side of the table, like practicing medicine, um, I practiced as a PA for six years. And then mm-hmm. the other side of the table, like having my own hormonal struggles and mm-hmm. like, you know, losing my period for three years and all my labs were normal and like, you know, hair loss and anxiety and like all those things that went with it. Mm-hmm. And so like, I know what it's like to kind of be in both worlds, yeah. but when I, when I went to PA school, you know, like right out of college, I was like, this is it. Like modern medicine is the way, you know, like this is the only way, like we are healing people. And I got, I got about two years into practice and I was like, what the heck are we doing? (laughs) Like I literally, like, I just was prescribing like all day, every day, thousands of prescriptions for things that I know could be solved with a better diet and some exercise and some sunlight. And like, it just, it wasn't, there was just such a big disconnect. And Mm so, um, part of what really turned me on to functional medicine was I just felt like I was doing so much pill pushing. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. But yeah, there, there was a lot of frustration too, uh, especially with the way that, you know, it kind of insurance came in and the way that billing worked. And it's like the more patients you saw and the more complex patients you saw, the more money the hospital mm-hmm. system made. Mm-hmm. And that drove me nuts. I was like, this mm-hmm. is not a health-based system. This is right. just another money-driven system. Right. So was it in, during that time when you were practicing as a PA that you lost your period for three years? It was before that. It was actually during PA school. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> all the stress yeah all the caffeine um all the under eating yep so did your doctors want to put you on birth control i'm assuming to quote unquote regulate your hormones (laughs) you know actually i was already on birth control oh okay worse right yeah um, yeah, so my, my journey with my hormones really stemmed from uh, being so deep into the fitness industry and being so deep into bodybuilding. I was way mm. overtraining, way under eating, mm-hmm. um, and very hypothyroid oh, <laughs> and man. my body just was like, we can't do this anymore. So, yeah. you know, you, your body will turn off your reproductive system and turns off unimportant functions if yep. you're trying to survive. Yep. Um, and then the stress of PA school on top of that. So yeah, I was, I was actually on birth control for about 12 years before I before I was off. Oh, wow. So then how did you end up getting your period back? I, I'll, I mean, it was kind of a conglomeration of things, but one being eating more training less, mm-hmm. um, you know, really focusing on like uh, back then I was eating very low carb. And so it was increasing carb intake, mm-hmm. um, increasing caloric intake overall, but also like just changing the nutrient density. Of, mm-hmm. You know, I was so used to living on like, you know, what we would call like macro friendly foods, you know, mm-hmm. like the sugar free things and the fat free things, mm-hmm. um, not even realizing the ingredients that I was putting into my body. Yeah. Um, and so a shift away from that and into more whole foods, more, more nutrient dense foods for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of simple in a lot of ways, right? Like, but it's so hard because we live in a culture that's like, even, you know, I mean, I get caught in it sometimes too, right? It's like, even if it's healthy food, these fast foods tend to have a lot of ingredients in them, you know? And so it's like, you know, I'm not saying for people to never eat them at all, but it's just, when that becomes a huge part of your diet, it's going to be, it's going to have its impact for sure. It definitely will. So what finally made you decide to sort of be done with being a PA and go into the functional side of things? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess it was, it's kind of been like a, a journey over the last three years, I would say. So, Uh, What I did is when I entered into my functional medicine training, Mm -hmm. I was still working as a PA. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like built up my business on the side. I was working a lot of like weekends, a lot of nights. Yeah. um, Your poor adrenals. I know. (laughs) I know. Um, They definitely need a lot of replenishment. Um, So building things up on the side. And then uh, eventually, actually this past January, they let me go. I got Mm. fired from my corporate job and I was like, this is the best blessing Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It was literally just the catalyst that I needed to keep going. Well, and I, I love that you bring that up because I think I see a lot of women going through, um, big struggles around their health right now. Right. And sometimes we need to make those big changes in order for our health to really change. You know, I mean, there's so many things that obviously the minerals, the diet, you know, the movement, all those things are so important that a lot of us are missing, but Sometimes when that stress is so big from a job or being, you know, in a, with a partner that things aren't working well or what have you, like sometimes it's, that's, what's got to change in order for our health to change. It really is. And it's the part that most people don't want to acknowledge or address. You know, we can all 
change the way that we eat and we can all change the way yep. that we, you know, support our liver and like less caffeine yep. and, and stuff. But I mean, it's, you know, if, if there's a major stressor that's really unresolved and that's mm-hmm. going to take its toll. Yep, exactly. And it's going to keep like clawing at you until you like pay attention to it too. Right. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest issues that you see with the women that are coming to work with you in terms of the hormone issues? Yeah. Um, honestly, like everything's kind of across the board, a lot of PCOS, a lot of endometriosis, mm-hmm. a lot of, um, just, you know, estrogen dominant type situations, so mm-hmm. really painful, heavy, long periods, um, PMDD, PMS, um, hair loss, anxiety, depression, thyroid issues, all the good stuff, kind of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a lot of it is, it does have the same base root that it's coming from. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. It's just, it, it always comes from like stress on the metabolism. Yeah. You know, always, it's always a, that metabolic stress is going to just like throw off every system in the body. Yep. yep. And there you go. So once you s- kind of work with them on rebalancing their minerals, what is usually sort of the next step? Yeah. So I, I think we, you know, we kind of take a, a, a very like I don't want to say holistic approach, but even though it is, but, mm-hmm. um, kind of just like a well-rounded approach. So mm-hmm. like, while we're working on balancing minerals, we're also like just packing their diet full of nutrients. Um, you know, so we're working on like, okay, are you eating enough protein? Are we getting a lot of like whole food complex carbs? You know, do we mm-hmm. have enough fats in the diet? Are we, you know, getting, um, you know, things like grass-fed beef liver, you know, just mm-hmm. lots of like nutrients in that way. And at the same time, you know, kind of putting in some supplements to bridge gaps where we need to bridge gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, supporting detox systems and gut health, like we kind of just pull it all in, mm-hmm. um, a little bit at a time together. Mm-hmm. I know. And sometimes it's like, we have to figure out per the individual, like what they can and can't handle at any given time. Right. So yeah, some can go slower and some can go faster and all of that yep. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. So I have to ask, cause people always, you know, come to me about this and ask me. So uh, what are your thoughts on how much protein a woman should be getting a day? How many grams? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, there's a lot of controversy around, uh, around that. Yep. Um, I usually go for like a hundred grams a day minimum. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of women will need more than that, mm-hmm. especially like if you're active, if you're trying to you know put muscle mass on something mm-hmm. like that, um, PCOS, a lot of times we'll need a little bit more protein mm-hmm. too, but hundred grams a day minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know it's crazy, right? Because I'll, I'll often start my clients off on, let's get you to 80 because yep. so many of them will literally be getting like 40 grams of protein a day, yes, you know? know? And I'm like, you need to be getting like 30 grams of breakfast, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not 40 grams for your day. Yes. So, but it blows people's minds, right? Because they're like, that's a lot of protein. And I'm like, you know, I mean, it's like, if you start to, I mean, it's, it's hard to do it if you're vegetarian, obviously, um, pretty impossible if you're vegan. So, you know, it definitely can mean different food choices for different people. Yeah, it for sure can. Um, and I, I also think like, you know, transitioning into that, like just, Mm -hmm. just being more conscientious of like, you know, what, like, what am I actually eating? You know, cause mm-hmm. a, a lot of people come in and it's like, 
you know, either they're skipping breakfast, which yes. okay, there's their 30 grams of protein gone right, right there. Right. And they're um, drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or it's like, you know, a muffin or a granola bar or a piece of toast. And it's like, yeah. okay, you know, so even, even just like focusing on like that one simple shift yes. can sometimes be enough to just like change the game for people. hundred percent. That's why I yeah. always say I'm like breakfast, breakfast, breakfast. If you can like yeah. get that down, it's going to change your day. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Your blood sugar is like, all right, I can do it now <laughs> to make it through the day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the other like big things around diet that, uh, women kind of struggle with? Do you feel like when they come to see you? I feel like, so I feel like honestly, a lot of it is convenience, you know, a lot of women, I, I mean, let's just face it. Like we're busy people, yep. you know, we're, we're on the go and we've got jobs and we've got kids and families and like, we're constantly doing things. Yeah. And so I think one of the, one of the hardest things for people is like finding the time to cook, mm-hmm. honestly. Yep. And Absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it can be really difficult. I mean, fortunately now, like there are some really good options for like meal delivery, delivery, exactly like that. Yep. Yeah. I know um, I, a lot of women will feel guilty about doing that or some women will, or like, they're like, I shouldn't spend the money. I'm like, look, if you can't do it, if you can't find the time, if you don't have time to shop, like it's so worth it. Don't feel guilty about it. You're doing 5 million things. <laughs> like it's yeah. okay to take care of yourself in this way. Yes. It's so, I think it's so worth it too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know. I was trying to think of sort of the other thing that definitely the cooking. Um, and I feel like shifting that, you know, not eating such a big meal at night necessarily mm-hmm. and eating that bigger meal in the morning is, mm-hmm. is like that sort of, cause culturally we're the opposite, right? It's yes. like eat, eat a small breakfast, often eat a small lunch, Um, and then you're starving by the end of the day. Right. So you eat this like huge meal at night and it's like, we need to flip that around. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a very big switch. That's a very big switch. And I also feel just like, uh, just like taking the time and like kind of slowing down a little bit, you know, like actually like enjoying our food and And not be like working while we're eating and watching TV or whatever, being on our phones. Yeah. That's some of the biggest stuff. What about movement? Is that an issue for a lot of the women that come to you? Um, I would say yes and no. So I have gotten a lot of questions lately about like hit training, you know, yeah. like why, like, why is that, you know, or like a, you know, cardio, like, why is that like so impactful for the body? And the thing is, is with movement, um, the way that we choose to move our bodies can either be beneficial to us on our journey mm-hmm. or it can compound stress hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're choosing like the right type of movement that's actually going to support us. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like support where we're at in our menstrual cycle too, yes. you know, as, as our hormones fluctuate and things will start to change. Um, I remember actually doing an upcoming workshop on this, which I'm really excited about, but as things will fluctuate with the menstrual cycle, our, our movement should change a little bit and the way that we work should change a little bit. So if, if all we're doing is like, you know, hit training, CrossFit, um, spin, you know, long, long, intense cardio sessions. Like if we're driving up that cortisol, we're going to make it more difficult for our bodies to heal. Um, so fortunately, like I, you know, feel really grateful that I've have come from like a weightlifting background, yeah. you know, where, cause like, that's, that's like one of the biggest pieces we'll pull in and walking, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like walking mm-hmm. is like so foundational. 100%. <laughs> so foundational. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I tell people I live in the Blue Ridge mountains, um, in Asheville, North Carolina. And so I'm lucky, right. Because they have this like beautiful 
mountains right outside my door, but like the impacts of walking, even if it's just around your neighborhood, you know, because not only is it just a very easy thing on the body generally, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, not everyone's body, but for the most part, but you're also connecting with nature, which is such a huge thing that we are disconnected from. Um, I have to tell this little story, even though it's kind of like, it's funny, but I haven't seen this TikTok trend, but my friend was telling me about it where you stand next to a tree, like kind of close. Have you heard about this? I haven't seen this. Okay. So it's like, um, you know, you want, you want it to be to where a branch is like no more than maybe like five or six inches from you or something. And you just kind of whisper to it, you know, tree, if you hear me, touch my shoulder or a tree, if you hear me touch my face and the tree, the tree branch will like come and touch people. Right. And I was like, really? And my friend actually showed a video to me of her doing it. And it was just such a good reminder, right. That like, we are connected to nature, you know, like, like in such a, like such small ways that we don't even think about it. But like, if you actually get outside and connect with it, like it can be one of the most healing things out of everything because we're supposed to be out there. Like that's how we were born, right? That's how human beings have always lived in concert and we've just gotten so out of that. So I love that trend because it really shows specifically you know, the little branch coming to you and touching you. <laughs> that is so cool. I'm going to be on the lookout for it now. Yeah. <laughs> First time I'm open TikTok, I'm going to like look for that trend. I know. Cause I'm, I'm, I was thinking I need to start sharing it with some of my clients. Cause I feel like it's a very impactful, like, yes, see, we are connected to nature, not just yes. this, like, I don't know, you know, ethereal idea that we are, yeah. you know, or woo woo kind of thing. So yeah. it's, it, it makes a huge difference. It does. Yeah. And there's even like, you know, there's even upcoming research on like how, you know, just getting your feet in soil yes. impacts the gut microbiome, Yes, you know, exactly. and like, I mean, that's, that's huge. If you think about it, like it's just your feet in soil, but like you're positively impacting your gut bacteria yep. and like that has huge impacts on your health. Absolutely. And I was just talking about this on another podcast and this happened to me. Um, you know, I had COVID late December, early January of this year and I had a mild case, but probably about a month later, my gut was just off. Right. And studies are coming out now showing that COVID changes our gut microbiome. And so it's even more important, like what you're saying, like get your feet in the soil, you know, really you got to be nice to your microbiome if you've had COVID, which a majority of us have had at this point, you know, (laughs) or we'll be getting it. And so really kind of thinking about that and the healing process from it too is, is hugely important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it kind of just like circles back to like what we talked about earlier, like our, it's our body systems that need to be supported and our gut health is one of those things. Um, you know, I like to, I always like to tell my, tell my clients, like, you know, when we're thinking about hormones, everyone thinks about like estrogen and progesterone. We're talking about sex hormones and, you know, estrogen is really is moved out of the body through waste. And part of it is metabolized in the gut. So if your gut's not healthy, you're not going to be like moving estrogen out very well. It's going to get recirculated. You're going to continue to have problems with estrogen dominance. Yep. And so it it, it always comes back to those systems. A hundred percent. You got to get them all like, they want to work well, right? It's just like, we just need to like give them the tools that they need in order to work properly. 
let's bring it back around to stress since I think that's such a huge, you know, obviously important factor. What are some of the things that you recommend to women to start to de-stress? Yeah, it it really depends on the person. And I think when it comes to stress, like you have to find something that you enjoy doing Mm because if you hate it, it's not going to stick and there's no point. So Um, people are like, I don't like meditating. (laughs) I'm like, all right, let's figure something else out. Don't do it. Yeah. 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 And we have, I mean, a ton of different modalities. You know, I have, I have some clients that do have, uh, you know, history of trauma and they are in therapy and EMDR mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. that, you know, nervous system reg- re-regulation needs to be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but even on a daily basis, I mean, I have a lot of clients that will journal or gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of clients that spend time in prayer. Um, even just like finding 10 minutes for yourself, you know, if you're, if you're busy and you have kids, like if you can just close yourself in a bedroom for like 10 minutes and just mm-hmm. kind of sit there and breathe, I mean, that's going to have like huge, profound yep. impacts yep. on your Absolutely. stress levels, on your cortisol mm-hmm. levels, just even doing that. It's yep. So 100%. Like basic, yep. Like it's so like basic sounding, but like, yep. it really just needs to be basic. It's it, but it's so hard for people to, they feel like to carve out five to 10 minutes a day for, especially women for themselves. For sure. Right. So it's like this basic thing that I struggle with doing. And so that's why I like to bring up as much as I can on this podcast and like have people that are listening to the podcast, hear it from as many different <laughs> practitioners as possible. Right. Cause you, <laughs> sure. we need to hear these things multiple times, right. For them Absolutely. to get in. Um, and yeah, just to bring it back around, you know, so, so what, what other testing do you end up doing, um, besides the minerals? Do you just focus on the minerals or are there other tests? No. So what with one-on-one we dive deeper. Mm -hmm. So we'll run a GI map, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so looking at stool testing, um, if anyone has, you know, obviously if anyone is having like digestive issues, um, but any history of like autoimmunity, frequent antibiotic use, like I always Mm -hmm. like to dig into the gut a little bit there. Um, I also do, um, so we do blood labs, Mm -hmm. so we'll do full set of blood labs, iron panels, full thyroid panels, like all the good stuff. Um, I have run Dutch tests in the past. So Mm -hmm. like actually like looking at hormones, metabolites Mm -hmm. breakdown. I don't run it as much as I used to, Mm -hmm. honestly, because I just find that like by working on all the foundational things and doing all of those other testing, like we often don't need to touch the hormones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there are specific cases that I will run it. And then I've also gotten really into iodine testing as well. So we'll do oh, urine iodine testing. Okay. So mm-hmm. t- tell us more about this. Cause I know that there's debates on which iodine test is good or not. So I'm yeah. super interested to hear what you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I personally have been using the Hakala labs, 24 hour urine okay. collection. So looking at urinary excretion of iodine. Okay. Is um, that one where you have to take iodine and see how much excretes or yes. Yep. They, yep. It's a loading dose tablet that you take and then you do a 24 hour urine collection essentially. And so that's a lab. Gotcha. Okay. And is it usually like 50 milligrams of iodine or gosh, I can't even remember. I think it is. It's a really high dose. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's a really high dose. And do you end up finding that a lot of women are low in iodine? A lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them. So what are your thoughts on sort of dosing iodine. And I know obviously it's dependent on what's showing up on their tests, but there's a lot of debate around that too. Right. And obviously like if you have Hashimoto's versus if you don't, but yeah, tell me your thoughts on it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. There's iodine is like such a heavily debated topic and you know, a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it was pushed from the Wolf-Trykoff study, you know, Mm. way back when and uh, the mainstream 
media catches on, the medical community catches mm-hmm. on. And all of a sudden, you know, we were using iodine for basically everything. It was yeah. an antiseptic. I mean, we literally use it for everything. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, it's, it's gonna destroy your thyroid glands. Right. And like, they can't even replicate the, that study mm-hmm. now, you know? So, so the RDA, the RDA sets, uh, the, the recommendations for a uh, dietary intake of iodine at 150 micrograms, right. which is actually Deep. really low, I was like, Deep. very, very low. Yeah. So if you look at like other cultures, like, you know, the Japanese, for example, they might have one bowl of soup with eight milligrams of iodine. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a ton. Yeah. It's a ton. Yeah. So So when we do, when we do iodine, uh, we, I I try to titrate it up somewhere between like 12 and a half to maybe 25 milligrams, depending on the body and how much they can handle. But there's a lot of like, I I do do not recommend just like going straight supplementing with iodine. Like there's a lot of thyroid support that has to happen before you get to that point. So definitely work with a practitioner around that one. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, the research that is coming out is just so vastly different than mm. what is being preached about mm-hmm, iodine. Mm-hmm. So even in clients who have Hashimoto's, you know, and, and, or are, you know, impending where they're producing yeah. antibodies, um, often with, you know, taking things like really slow, a lot of times those antibodies will come down with mm-hmm. iodine, even mm-hmm. though we've been told for yeah. years, like yeah. it's going to destroy it if it's autoimmune yeah. and it's just not the case. Right. Cause as you said, a lot of times the people will go in without using the cofactors that you for need. Sure. Right. And it's, yep. it's going to make things bad if you do that situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find that so fascinating because particularly, you know, with things like fibrocystic breasts, yeah. And ovarian cysts and, you know, and fibroids, which I've dealt with like iodine, lack of iodine is a huge part of those too. You yeah. know, do you find when you can get your clients up to that, you know, 12 to 25 number, um, that they can go off thyroid medication sometimes if they're on it, or does that not necessarily change that? Uh, it can change mm-hmm, it. I mm-hmm. haven't, I haven't yet had a, I have a handful of thyroid clients mm-hmm. who are actually on medication for mm-hmm, it, but not mm-hmm. a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have seen it lower dosages. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but yeah, I mean, theoretically you can get off your thyroid medication. Personally, I haven't had any clients like that yet. Do that. Yeah. 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 I always, I always wonder about that. Cause you know, I've seen different practitioners talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying to figure out that place. And sometimes I guess, how long you're on it too, you know, it can make a big difference. Yeah. It it can make a big difference. And, uh, the other thing too, is like antibodies, thyroid antibodies take a while to shift. I mean, you Mm. could be, you could be looking at a couple of years before your antibodies are really down into Mm. like a a good range from being high, really high. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Do you see a decent amount of Hashimoto's in your clients or I wouldn't say a ton. I've Mm -hmm. probably got, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe only a handful over the mm-hmm. last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's... Very common though. Yes, it is. Very common. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So when you do the mineral work and bring in these other things, how long does it usually take women to start to, you know, really notice a difference? That also depends. Mm-hmm. I think that's very person dependent. Yeah. I've had some clients that like a weekend, they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and you're always like, and hurrah. Then, yeah. 
<laughs> but yes. you're like, you're like, let's give it a few more days before you yeah, start right? feeling that way. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, kind of, uh, in contrast, I've got some clients that are, you know, they're at four months and they really don't feel a ton yeah. different at all. And yeah. so that's where the deeper digging starts and the deeper mm-hmm. digging into like, okay, is there something traumatic in mm-hmm. your past and some mm-hmm. nervous system stuff we have to address? And, mm-hmm. um, so it just, it's very dependent on the, on the person and on their resiliency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are super resilient to things and a lot of people are not. Yes. <laughs> so yep, we take absolutely. it as, as much as the body will let us. A hundred percent. And I brought that up because I think it's important for people to hear that too, that, you know, for a lot of women, I'm sure that you see a lot of women that I see, we're talking about years of imbalances yes. before this, right? It's not just like, oh, they've been feeling bad for a few months and then they come. It's like, they're at this point now where they can't do anything without get seeking help, but it's really like been 20 years of this like slow downgrade, you know? And so you can't expect that in two, three, four, six months, sometimes, sometimes, you know, like we're looking at a year before you really start to see some major differences because these things sometimes have to go layer by layer. They do. They yeah. they really do. We kind of have to peel them back slowly, I yep. think. And yep. you know, that's that's kind of one thing about about the the healing journey is yeah. we all want it to look like this nice yep. linear upward line, yep. and it just doesn't. It, it can be not. like a major <laughs> roller coaster sometimes. Yeah. Yep. But Absolutely. like, but that's okay. You yep. know, because I I think you know, I think especially in the, in the world of like the functional realm, like mm-hmm. there's so much more that we can dig into. Whereas mm-hmm. like you know, if, if your healing journey was a roller coaster and you went to your doctor, they would be like, well, let's just put you back on birth control. And it's like, yep. well, we got like 800 other things in our arsenal. We can still dig into. Yep. Um, Absolutely. so I, I, there's always, there's always hope I yeah. think for the body too. Yeah. So when you were a PA, I mean, would you get to that point? A lot of times where you're like, well, this is, there's nothing else we can do, or you just have to be on this medication, that kind of thing. It was, yeah. So it was really different because I, I worked in family practice. So mm. we saw a little bit of everything. Mm. Um, and mostly, I mean, mostly people came in hoping or looking to get a medication and mm. hoping and looking to be told like that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I had a lot of women that would come in, you know, like with period problems or PCOS and they're like, yeah, I'm just really hoping to start birth control. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> but, but there's also like a, a big distinction between, you know, the functional side of things and like the modern medicine side of mm-hmm. things. And so as a corporation, my company was looking for me to practice modern medicine. Right. They weren't looking for me to practice functional medicine. Right. So there were some kind of like muddy waters there, I think too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, it got, it got very difficult after a while, you know, like just, you know, kind of just like writing one more prescription. And it was like, man, this is just like really hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you're like, this is not getting to the root of it at all. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm but, so glad that you were able to, you know, get out of that and into something that you really love and like find the purpose. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, for sure. um, you know, I feel like we're living in a time where we're being called to do that, particularly as so women. Too. Yeah, I think so too. And I, that's one thing I love is I feel like 
maybe this is just me because I'm like in my own little bubble. I don't know, but (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, like this generation is finally starting to see the pitfalls and the downfalls of how modern medicine has always done things. And we're looking, we're looking and we're seeking alternative approaches. And I really feel like it's our generation that's going to propel this thing forward. Um, And I think, I honestly think a lot of it has to do with social media um, and like TikTok, (laughs) like TikTok has just like blown the world of functional medicine up. I feel like, and people are like, what? Like their eyes are finally opened and it's amazing. Yeah. It's incredible. Right. I mean, it's like, there's good and bad when it comes to social media, but I totally agree with what you're saying. Like it just, it takes it to so many more people and so many younger people too. Although I know TikTok is now like, apparently it's like a lot of women in their forties are on TikTok (laughs) like myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, this it's interesting, right? Because timing wise, I think it was last week that big study came out on how low serotonin, is not the cause of depression essentially. Right. So these SSRIs that we've been using for so long. Um, and I, you know, I was one of the caveat, like I know women that have used them and they've been helpful and, you know, I'm not trying to take anyone, anyone's antidepressants away if they are helping them, you know, but it's just kind of the information that is coming out as something that, you know, functional practitioners have been saying for years, like it's not, Mm -hmm it's not this thing. It's not this neurotransmitter that is too low or, you know, or too high or what have you. It's like, there's a reason for the neurotransmitter to be too low or too high. You know, there's all of these underlying things. And that's what you have to get at, including like you just mentioned, like that trauma component that I think so many of us are missing out on really digging into, you know, and working with, cause we all, we all got trauma. (laughs) I know. Well, yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's part of it too, is like a lot of us can look at our lives and we're like, I haven't had a traumatic experience, um, you know, but, but even, even years of being under-exercising and uh, you know, growing up in a really strict household, like exactly. that can even be traumatic sometimes to a young kid. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I tell people all the time, like, cause they'll be like, Oh, nothing really happened bad when I was a kid. And I, you know, and I say, well, there's big T trauma, right. And then there's yes. little T trauma. And so you could have been five years old and like wanted something. And your mom said, no, And it wasn't a bad thing that she said no, but you as your five-year-old self couldn't understand the why of the no. So you take it on as you've done something bad or you're bad or you're wrong, you know, and that can play out as trauma in our system. Right. And so that's why I'm just like, it's there for everyone on some level. We have to figure out how much it's running the show in the background. And I'm just a big fan of therapy, particular somatic therapy for, you know, so many people because it's like to really be able to like process through that old stuff that we may or may not even remember, you know, that's Mm -hmm. kind of running the show in the background. And so, especially if you've done all the other things for your hormones and nothing has worked. Yes. I think so too. I've actually had a couple of clients that have kind of like hit that point where it's like, man, we've spent the last year together and we've made some changes, but they're not massive. And it's like, what's that missing piece? And it's usually a nervous system dysregulation. It usually is. Um, Yeah. And I think, I think a big part of that, that, that kind of also plays in is like, you know, the, the belief 
and, you know, kind of this, this identity that we create for ourselves, you know, like we, we have to fully believe that our body wants to heal. We have to yes. fully believe that our body wants to get better. And if we've got these thoughts that are running through our mind of like, well, you know, this is just how it's going to be. And you know, this sucks and I'm never going to feel better. Like, of course your body's not going to want to heal exactly. and stay like that. Yep. Yep. You know? So are we, are we create a lot of the environment just by what we think and what we feel and what we believe too. Absolutely. And I've been through this personally, so I know it from personal experience, you know, it's like you can sort of work as hard in all of these things with your diet and your supplementation and, you know, exercise and all of that. But if you have that internal monologue running on, I'm not going to get better or like, look, you know, you're always looking for like the thing that is showing you that you're not getting better, you know, and yes. then you, then, then you're stuck in that loop. So the mindset, yeah, in my, my program, we talk about mindset, but I also talk about working on that trauma component too, because a lot of times you can't really change the mindset until you yes. get at the trauma, you know? Yeah. So, um, so, cause people will be like, I'm trying, I'm doing affirmations and I'm like, yeah, they're not going to work if there's this like underlying thing that's running the show, right? Those affirmations Absolutely. are going right out the door. <laughs> they're just words at that point. Exactly. You know, they really are. Yeah, I actually exactly. did. Um, I actually did last November did a, I think it was a four week virtual hypnotherapy mm. with a, a hypnotherapist out of mm-hmm. Salt Lake city. And, uh, that was amazing. I mean, you know, digging, you know, t- digging back into like old beliefs and stuff, like going yeah. back to when you're like four or five years old and bringing up these, you know, traumatic experiences yep. that play out in our lives and form who we are and how we behave and how we see ourselves and how we interact with other people. And it's just, it was so interesting to like dig that deep and also so therapeutic, Yep. you know, because once we, once we weed the garden, we can plant new plants. Exactly. Absolutely. Oh, so good. Um, so (laughs) tell people how they can work with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So First thing, if you want to get in touch with me, Instagram is probably the place to do it. I'm most active over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have, we have, so things are always moving in my world. Like I love, we've got like something for everybody. So we've got like, you know, mini course that like, you know, any, anything from like $67 mini courses to group programs to one-on-one work. Um, but you know, if, if you want to come over and say hi on Instagram and you know want to find a good fit for you, just DM me. I'm more than happy to chat through things. All right. I like it. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This yeah, was so much fun. It was great. <laughs> All right, you guys, I will see you next time.